This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Football Alaturka. It's been a long time since we uh, last uh, spoke to you. It's been a lo- long time since uh, we all spoke to each other really uh, in this uh, sort of context. Um, yeah, lots of stuff going on obviously. Corona is still uh, wreaking havoc on the world. Um, yeah, football is still without fans. And you haven't had a Football Alaturka podcast for a couple of months, so for that we do apologize. Um, there's some stuff going on. Uh, we've been having issues lining up our schedules, I think. I recently moved, which makes it also very difficult to... Well, actually impossible to follow on uh, our recent... Uh, our recording schedule, which was usually Monday evenings. But uh, yeah, uh, that's not possible anymore for now so we're recording this right now on wednesday afternoon and i have umut with me and Jakub with me guys it's been a long time since we uh, last chatted about football uh, properly at least we of course have our group chat which we constantly post and still but it's been a long time since we've done this so uh, how have you guys been since the last time we recorded which i think at this point has been at least four or five months um, and, and yeah, just in general, are you guys doing well? I know Jakub, you've had Corona in between that time span as well. Uh, your parents have had it as well, but you're all good now, right? Yeah, yeah, we're doing, we're doing fine. It's, uh, it's a scary moment, but uh, we're doing good. Glad to hear that. Uh, Umut, you're of course back in... in the UK right now, uh, close to London, where at the moment things are getting a little hectic as well. How are you doing? Um, what are you, what have you been doing? What have you been doing to keep busy? Because your semester is over, you don't have any school stuff right now. Uh, when are you starting again? And what have you been doing to keep yourself occupied? Well, uh, I've been downloading some stuff like uh, Unreal Engine, Unity 3D and uh, virtual machines to keep myself sane when I'm all not busy uh, because to keep things going, you have to, uh, you know, get things, get new things to learn, keep yourself busy to keep your sanity right. Uh, Otherwise, you're all locked up in a room. Uh, nothing but the four walls like surrounding you so you have to just do new things learn uh, improve yourself and I've been applying to like many jobs recently but most of them are rejects uh, unfortunately so I'm still trying to get a job uh, uh, like to extend my visa here to get a working visa uh, to be a successful software engineer yeah, that's uh, all I can say to that. What really is, uh, just hang in there, man. You'll eventually, hopefully, yeah. get a positive reply. 
Um, and yeah, it's, it's obviously it's not easy for people like yourself, students who are in a dorm, you're alone most of the time. Uh, I, I imagine that's not very fun. But uh, fortunately, there's a thing such as uh, Skype <laughs> and uh, yeah. d Discord and all those types of things where you can keep in uh, touch with your friends. Um, but you know what, guys? Let's talk about some football. It's also a little bit of therapeutic uh, for us, I guess, to be able to chat about football still. Perhaps, I think none of us were really positive about the return of football at the start of the season because of the lack of fans. Has your vision on that changed in the recent months? Uh, has football perhaps given you something to look forward to every week? Uh, Jakob, let's start with you. I mean, um, you know, it's still a bit odd, so to say, you know, because uh, it's it's difficult to wear uh, to to watch the games uh, without fans because uh, the fans are such an integral part um, of the game itself. And um, you know, with with all the transfers that Trabzonspor has been going through, with, uh, with all the uh, major pieces that have left the team and the injuries that uh, plagued the team with with the new guys, it has been a it has been a rough start. Um, but I'm I'm really happy it's back, you know, because uh, I don't know how it's in Belgium. I don't know how the, the UK is pretty similar. It's uh, pretty much everywhere is shut down, and we're we're about to have a curfew in a few days, so you don't really have a lot of things that can help you uh, to take your mind off of uh, off off of the daily um, depression mood that is just hanging around the, <laughs> around the country. So it's been it's been good to watch. Um, the games every every weekend and every every weekday, so to say, you know, I watch a lot of more, a lot more games, and um, it's it's been fine, it's been great. Yeah, of course, for Trabzon, uh, big loss of quality with Alexander Sorlov leaving, um, and also a, a rocky start to the season. Abdullah Avci has since then taken over. Uh, how are you liking his coaching style? How is the team performing under him? And have you seen? Um, the team evolved uh, compared to the start of the season. I mean, it's um, it has been it has been a, a good change. You know, I was I, I really wasn't a fan of him coming over, but um, he has proven me wrong, and um, he has been doing really well. There has been a, like a stat of his that in like twelve games or something that he is at Trabzonspor. He won seven of them. He drew three, and he lost one in 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 the league. So you know the 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 games just you know they speak for themselves. The team seems to be a lot more organized at the moment. Uh, our midfield is still a mess, um, but I'm I'm happy that Berat uh, had a, had, a, had a couple of minutes to show himself yesterday, and um, the team. I, I think the team uh, especially lacked a confidence, um, you know, had, had a confidence, confidence issue. And um, it seems that with, with Auger coming in and with, uh, you know, Egeman being his uh, assistant coach, assistant manager, it, it, it kind of turned, uh, turned that ship around, you know. It seems that uh, the players are more confident in, in their abilities. They are able to do uh, what they want to do more freely. It's uh, it's odd. It's odd, you know. Being uh, hear, hearing a lot about how Auger was pretty bad when he was at uh, Besiktas. Um, you know, everybody knows his stint at the national team. He wasn't that good there, and to see him turn around Trabzonspor so quickly, it's um, it's been great. It's been great. And how much do you think the impact 
um, of a lack of fans in the stands might have on that, giving him perhaps more time to adjust, less pressure uh, on the pitch when the team is on the pitch, really. Uh, do you think that plays a factor in his uh, quick turnaround? I mean, you know, the problem sport fans can be can be difficult. Um, but I think that if we if we had the fans back, um, especially the first couple of weeks, should have been a, a, a rocky start because, um, you know, there there were a lot of one nil games, zero uh, one, you know, one one games. So those are then generally the more um, boring games, and uh, fans fans want to see attacking football. But I think that it, all in all, fans do have a positive effect on the team because. Um, we have really loyal fans, and uh, sometimes the fans can win us games at home. So I don't know. I don't know. I think that um, it has been good for for Oja, and it has been bad, maybe in some ways. Um, good because he he could have, uh, you know, he he shrugged off the first couple of weeks that went a little bit, um, you know, not that well. But in the longer term, I think that you know having fans back at the stadium should be. Uh, yeah, it should be priority because um, we have seen it all at, at a lot of teams, you know, outside of Trouble Sport 2, that uh, a lack of fans really makes a difference. You know, derbies don't feel like derbies anymore. And, um, you know, I hope, I just hope that, uh, you know, the country, the world just uh, sorts things out so we at least can have, you know, normalcy <laughs> in a while, you know. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the thing I was mainly aiming at with that question is um, perhaps it's it, it was a blessing in disguise for Abdullah Avci at the start because you start off with a lot less pressure because of the fans not being in the stadium, which in the long run can have a positive effect when the fans do return because then the team is already in a good flow, good on morale, good confidence levels, and then perhaps if there's a slip-up, it probably won't impact uh, the team as much as it would if you know because with Besiktas at the start of the season he he had a really rocky start like I think they got like five points in their first uh, seven games or something like it was really I might be mistaken there but uh, it was a really rocky start for him and I think that really got him shifting away from his vision really quickly he went from trying to play a very modern approach of football with a false left back and stuff like that to just shifting back to Chanel Gunesh football really which was uh, yeah just relying on Quaresma to, uh, to to drop a ball in the box and hope that somebody would score uh, not Quaresma actually but Janer in this context but that's what Chanel Gunesh did with, with Quaresma and then Abdullah Avci did that very much with 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 John Erdan. Um Whereas I think maybe yeah, had he started with uh, the current conditions without fans in the stadium, perhaps he would have tried longer, would have taken longer before he gave up on his vision. Um, but yeah, that's just obviously my perspective as a as a Besiktas fan, uh, because I do think Abdullah Avci is a great coach. I just think that it's one once again was was confirmed last season that pressure is not his best friend. Um, as we saw with the national team and with Bishitesh, of course. But perhaps it'll be different now with Trabzonspor. But uh, obviously they're coming from behind. It's always easier to come from behind, I guess. Um, less pressure. I've seen that a lot with Bishitesh as well, in, in like especially like the 2000s, where they'd have like a really rocky start of the season. Um, and, 
you basically the title is lost already after 10 games or something and then a new coach is brought in and then suddenly everything starts going well and you're like oh we're great we're great but then the next season comes and you start with that new coach and then suddenly the pressure is on from match day one and suddenly it doesn't work anymore so there was a i kind of dreaded that would happen with sergen as well where he took over last season from abdulavci and uh Everything was going great, but obviously you're coming from behind. There's a lot less pressure, no expectations really, because everyone's already given up on the season pretty much. And then you you start getting hope again, uh, but you of course miss out. And then the new season comes, and it didn't start well for Bishtas either. But they've since then, um, uh, yeah, shaped up a little bit. Uh, but yeah, I mean that's something I've I've seen occur in the past, and perhaps uh, Abdullah Avci now can prove uh, that that stigma wrong as well um anything to add to that or shall we move to uh umut you know i i agree you know um Lauja has been has been a coach for a while now and everybody knows the way he plays and a lot of people don't like it and um, there are obvious reasons why because i think that um, his modern approach doesn't really translate that well maybe every time and um we have seen that at Basakshir he had a lot of time and he had pretty much no pressure at all. And the moment he joined, uh, he joined Besiktas, that flipped like 180. And he had a lot of pressure. He had a lot of pressure from the fans. And um, you know, I think that uh, Trabzonspor, in that regard, at the current, you know, at the current stage that that we are in, uh, with with all the losses, pretty much a lot of fans already accepted that that, that this year maybe. You know, a um, a bad year. You know, we were also out of the Turkish Cup, um, so this year is just a um, you know we'll 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 tough it out and we'll see at the end of the season what happens. And every every point we pick up and every um, you know every every win we 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 get is is just a positive point. Um, well, let's hope let's hope that he uh, that he has a good season. You know, Trabzonspor's team at the moment um, still needs a lot of uh, a lot of additions to it. And um, it seems that uh, the, you know, the, the the current board isn't really doing a lot about it. So um, you know, I'm I'm happy with Ovja at the moment. But the moment he starts to regress a little bit, um, he will be raked, uh, you know, over the coals as as is as is tradition in Turkey. So let's hope for a long and um, and, and fruitful uh, fruitful uh, um, you know contract for him, so to say. Yeah, let's uh, pick up again with uh, Trabzon in a bit, but let's first talk about uh, Galatasaray, Umut. Uh, how has the season so far progressed for uh, Galatasaray and for Fatih Terim? Uh, how have, well, how do you like the football that's been being played? How has Arda impacted the team? Um, Falcao's absence still, uh, can we consider his transfer a bust at this point? And, uh, and by Adiagnes' return to the team as well. Let's uh, talk about all of that. Umut, let's get your uh, views on uh, the current state of Galatasaray. Well, currently, uh, we lost uh, in our last game. Uh, it was a pretty bad game, actually, uh, because uh, we saw that Fatih team always uh, comes, up, uh, comes up late on these substitutions and uh, decides to proceed uh, to move uh, Ryan Donk into the front uh, uh, looking for a goal as a 90s mentality actually because it's so old-fashioned uh, relying on a uh, you know 
power defender uh, going onto the opposition box and looking for a cross and had a uh, looking for a goal that way instead of just building an attack with a patience and uh, using it against your uh, your opponent but uh, it wasn't uh, pretty uh, you know lucky for Gasser actually because uh, in the last game against Besiktas, it was pretty unlucky that Mbaye Jackney went up against his, you know, uh, uh, high, uh, you know, uh, boots against uh, Besiktas defender, and it resulted in uh, a foul and a red card for Galatasaray. And Galatasaray had to play like the half of the uh, rest uh, of the second half with ten men, uh, with his. Uh, which is a hard task to do against a uh, team like Besiktas, who, who is just like you know strong, uh, and physique kind of a team. So, uh, with that kind of loss uh, and a, you know, a striker is what Galatasaray lacks uh, this season. Uh, so. With that kind of a loss, uh, Gaussa simply couldn't have anything other to do than just wasting and spending the uh, half of the game for playing for the you know draw, uh, because it was so hard to defend against a tough team like Besiktas, uh, going from sides, going from flanks, and uh, there's an Abu Bakr factor in the middle, so uh, it was a you know a deserved win for Besiktas. I would say, but you can say uh, Fatirim has to change some uh, habits of his uh, and looks for some development plan for the future, because uh, all the all the failures he's got, uh, he always wants a transfer for the team instead of just developing and improving the players he already has. I mean, just look at Sergen Yalçin and his team. He he both. Uh, Rosia or like Abu Bakr for like simple prices, a low budget team, but he just developed them uh, into like first team players in a couple of months by being patient and just relying on them. But I don't know, but maybe it's because of the factor of an age. Fatim does want does not want to like deal with these issues anymore. Like he's old and he's I know. Maybe he's past his prime, but he's more mature than he is. And he doesn't want to deal with these issues, with the details anymore. Like, uh, uh, comparison with him and Sargan is that Sargan is really eager to look for the future. But uh, when you see Fatim, he he's just old. And, uh, you know, sometimes uh, you have to, you know give attention to these details uh, and you know difference from him and Sargan is that you know because of his age uh, he I don't know what to say here like he just wants you know done players like Irfan Jan and uh, Edin Vizca who is, yeah. in, is like 30s right now and Irfan Jan uh, I th- I think I'm same age as him right now. He's 25 actually, so 
he doesn't want to shine the players from from the back page, like from I don't know, uh, from the second team, from the reserves. Instead of that, he just wants to buy done players with the uh, yeah, giving the, f- the money finished product uh, basically, and just players yeah. that can have an instant impact. And that's it's kind of what Galtzer have been doing for for a while now. Um, I feel. Yeah, like and. Considering we are not Real Madrid or some kind of like Barcelona, uh, we can say that we have to uh, be some somewhat, you know, conservative on uh, paying these money uh, uh, regarding these transfers and look for some scout products. But uh, at the end of the day, we see that uh, Galsha at the start of the season. Uh, uh, rejected Joseph de Souza and get to sign with Etabo, who is uh, an agent player. You know, uh, I think he's from the same agency as uh, Etabo, is same agency as Valentin Ozanwafor, uh, Emre Kulic. Uh, I think Jackney is one of them. Uh, I'm not sure, sure but uh, these agencies has many players uh, and offers them to the clubs and uh, gets deals done with the managers uh, at last. And actually, these are the things. Uh, gets the uh, teams down, lets the teams down at the end, uh, paying these money into the players who doesn't actually, uh, aren't promising as much, uh, fails the team at the end. Mm-hmm. And... Seeing that Fatih Terim uh, talked about like looking for the future and uh, uh, investing in the youth of the players and doing the absolutely opposite at the end, like signing Falcao, signing uh, old players like Arda. Maybe Arda, Arda Turan uh, incident maybe like in a different occasion. Uh, it can be considered as a different occasion rather than uh, Falcao's because uh, he's a you know Galatasaray player at the end of the day. He he came from the uh, he came from these grounds. He just uh, wants to like show himself at the end once again, uh, shine again uh, before he retires. He just wanted a second chance and got it. Uh, I I I certainly. Don't oppose this, uh, you know, uh, decision. Yeah, uh, and he's been he's been actually actually performing really well lately because uh, in on the field he is the brain and the uh, creativity uh, of Galatasaray, and without him, uh, Galatasaray really you know stuck uh, on uh, not knowing what to do on the field, uh, not connecting any passes in front of goal and uh, Galatasaray needs something like uh, someone like Arda on the field to lead them into the goal lead them into positions uh, and I think it's a good decision uh, by the part of the management and the board uh, which I certainly was uh, against at first but uh, at the end they proved me wrong actually uh, and with regards to Falcao, uh, I th- I think he won't return uh, at the end. Uh, he, uh, I think he's done with God's try uh, because 
the last time he uh, came to the field, he just played like, I don't know, 10 minutes or something. And he just gone off injured again uh, with his uh, chronic injuries. Uh, and last week I saw a goal from Falcao, which was scored in 2000. Uh, claimed to be uh, a first ever goal from his career uh, in Colombian League scored in the year 2000 which is the year Galatasaray like won the UFA Cup and that uh, raised some questions on my mind like what is the real age of this player like is he uh, providing the real information towards the teams or like is he faking his identity the whole time and the age, uh, which we can't know, uh, really. Batuhan Karadini scored his first goal at 16. It's perfectly plausible. That's yeah, but like, like uh, looking at Falcao's age, uh, it should be like he should be like 14 or 15 at the year 2000. Hmm. I don't know. Uh, so. Like, uh, it was like 21 years ago from now. Yeah. Uh, which is absolutely creepy, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> That's a way to put it, sure. Yeah. And uh, last but not least, we should uh, say something about Omar Abdullahi, which uh, who had a, a weird accident on mm. the New Year night. Yeah. Uh, uh, fireworks. Yeah, fireworks blown up uh, on his face and he just uh, immediately went to a uh, hospital. Uh, the initial uh, images were purely graphic, uh, uh, which I, I shouldn't be seen, actually. Like, I shouldn't have seen. Uh, it was pure gore. Uh, I was really worried about him. Like, uh, there was some rumors about him losing his eyesight. Uh, or whatsoever, uh, which was pretty worrying. Uh, but uh, uh, yesterday there was news afterwards. Uh, I don't know. Uh, he was a part of the main team uh, and a good right back. Uh, and I would prefer him instead of Martin Linus actually, because Martin Linus is a good backup player, but. Uh, Seeing a, you know, a technically and you know, physically, Omar Abdullahi were uh, like ahead of him the whole time, uh, which is a pretty bad news for us, right? For the rest of the season, which is a, a tough season, and we still have like 22 weeks to go, and with a lack of rotation, Galatasaray has uh, is pretty bad news. No. Yeah, quickly, a few things I'd like to pick up in there. I think we were all a bit um, skeptical, to say the least, about Arda's return to uh, Galatasaray. Obviously, he came in with a big fanfare. Well, fanfare. Uh, he came in with a big, with, with a lot of hype when he came to uh, Bashakshi here. Um, but he kind of fizzled out there. Uh, wasn't playing at all anymore in the ending. Looked like he was kind of done. But... To his credit, he is most definitely given it is all since returning to Galatasaray. He looks fit. Um, he, he like against Besiktas, I I didn't think he was particularly good, but he wanted to win, um, and he was very 
he he was one of the few Galtzai players where I really got the impression of he's here for more than just a point. I got the feeling from even from the lineup from Fatih Terim and, and just the way the team played that it was all about keeping the nil and maybe score a lucky goal on the other end. I didn't feel like Galtzai came to, 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 to win necessarily. But with Arda, you felt that there was desire there to do to do well, um, whether it was by uh, uh, playing well or by trying to put pressure on the referee to send Rosier off, which I think could have happened. Um, yeah, he was definitely the, the reminded me a little bit of Hassan Hassan Shash uh, back in the day, like kind of the the spirit of the team and and and. Uh, of Galatasaray was definitely there in, in Arda, where I miss that with players like Belhanda and stuff, which I think is one of the reasons why Özer isn't a big fan. Um, I, I did more want to speak about the broad picture of Galatasaray's season so far, but I do want to pick your brain quickly on something, because when I saw the lineup from Galatasaray and I saw both Emres on the bench, I kind of immediately got the impression that Fatih Terim was not... Mm, not very brave in his choices, and he was kind of pragmatic. Um, what did you feel when you saw the lineup, and how do you feel like the, the, the game played out? Of course, the red card played a big part, but what what did you have? The, what impression did you get from Fatih Terim and his intentions for this match? Well, uh, after seeing the lineup, uh, the initial thought came to my mind was the think that Fatih Terim wasn't gonna play a position game and just give the ball to Besiktas and like uh, look for counter-attacks and uh, playing Etebo who is not in form and he doesn't actually play occasionally uh, rather than these uh, cup games uh, we, we can say that uh, as I said, like both Emirates were on the uh, bench. Uh, I'm not against like uh, keeping Emre Akbaba on the bench, but Emre Kulinc was a, a big part of the starting lineup and the position game. Guys, I has been playing yeah, uh, one of their since best the players. start of the season. Yeah, uh, like the main players and the talented ones. Uh, also, also Fegli on the bench, who hasn't been playing uh, for a long time. Uh, I believe he has said. Uh, he had some injury, but uh, Fatirim wanted to keep him on the bench uh, for these occasions of need. But he didn't bring him in. Uh, the main problem is that we don't have any other alternatives for the position of Thailand Antali, who is who has been playing a great role for deep lying playmaker, and uh, also he. Uh, you know, provided well uh, defensively as well. Uh, because of these kind of uh, shortage in the line, uh, the whole squad uh, affected Gaza in a negative manner. Uh, so, uh, compared to uh, with uh, Besiktas midfield, uh, you have like uh, Atiba. Uh, Josef de Souza and Osan, uh, which which were like tougher than Galatasaray and uh, uh, talent-wise, uh, he wanted to keep the ball 
Sergen, who we wanted to keep the ball and like play a position game and like dictate the game uh, uh, when like coming out with a lineup like that. And that's something that Sergen's been criticized uh, for uh, as well. That he like now he started with Olasan, but he has started several games as well with three. Uh, quote-unquote defensive midfielders where uh, he would start with Joseph, uh, Atiba and, and Nijib, for example, uh, which is something that has that fans have been criticizing. Um, but it's it's kind of we- funny in a way because Sergen was known as, as such a brilliant number 10, but Sergen doesn't really seem to like playing with an actual number 10. He uh, seems to prefer to put a lot of... Uh, uh, hard workers in midfield who can run and who can put pressure on the opponent and who can win the midfield battle and then he seems to prefer to uh, create his danger mostly from the flanks which have been coming um, with with uh, Rashid Ghazal of course uh, who has uh, I think eight assists or something this season uh, no goals yet though and then he's putting basically uh, a false winger on, 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 the, on the left with uh, Kyle Lahren who um, you know, when you were speaking earlier about Rosier and, 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 and Abu Bakar um, brought in cheap. Uh, yeah, they were brought in cheap. But I think when you speak about guys like Rosier, Gazal, Abu Bakar, Joseph, those were all quality injections, like players with a resume, players who you know what you're getting for. But what what's more uh, impressive, I think, is what Sergan's done with other players, like Kyle Lahren, who I think everyone had written off to... Uh, like just a year ago, um, he was brought in on a, on a big wage from the MLS, uh, low transfer fee, big wage. Um, initially, he made an impact, scored a hat trick uh, in his debut and stuff like that. I think it was his debut at least against Antalya Sport. I think like two years ago. But then the follow up season, he he really fell through. It, it didn't work out for him. Um, and I t- still think to this day you can see that he has a lot of limitations. But the way Sergen uses him, um, he he uses him very well. Uh, that also is proven by the fact that I think he scored 11 or 12 goals already this season in the league. Um, and he uses him basically as a as a false uh, winger on on the left, you know. And basically they're playing with a second striker. Raman scores a lot of goals. Uh, on set pieces or just in in uh, attacks where he basically benefits from the opponent uh, being distracted by the presence of Vincent Abubakar on top. But what he's done with with, with that, like the transformation of a Kyle Lahren, making him into a better player. And of course, Lahren had a really good spell last season with Soltoaregem in Belgium, and that definitely boosted his confidence. But still, Sergen built on that and continued to improve him. He's also done that with young players like Ridwan, and he's done that with players like Ersin. So, um, yeah, Sergen definitely is working towards the future while also pen- depending on the quality injections that they've gotten with guys like Abu Bakar, uh, who instantly could give an impact. So he's doing what Fatih Terim is doing, but he's also working on players for the future and improving those players. Whereas even the guys, the younger players for Galatasaray, like Emery Kilinc, he's been groomed for three, four seasons already. He's already, I'm not going to say a finished product, but he's very much a player that's already come into his own. He's at a perfect age, 25, 26. Like, yeah, he's not going to improve a lot anymore. Uh, even Thailand, Antalya, I think he can still improve, but like Fatih Terim, it's been a while since he've, he's really developed and honed 
uh, the talents of a player. Like, who's the last player he's really done that with? I'm trying to think. Maybe Semikaya? Um, anyone else? Ozan Kabak? Yeah, I suppose. Ozan Kabak. But that was like really short period as well and kind of forced to do so. Although I guess you, yeah. could, you could suggest that Sergen has been forced into that as well with Ersin. And to a lesser extent, maybe with Ridvan. Yeah, that's the thing I should say. Like Sargan has got to play with two 19-year-olds uh, on the field in a derby game, whereas Fatih Terim mm. and a 22-year-old in Montero as well. Yeah, like yeah, uh, and Fatih Terim, who we can call like the biggest coach in the country, does not come up with an innovative solution and demanding players like Vishja and Irfan Jan gives hints about his mentality as well, like. I respect them, but he has to look for newer solutions on these newer problems and not depend on like old school approaches like playing Ryan Bubble on the left wing or like whenever you uh, go back on the scoreline, you just push Ryan Donk into the forward and look for some crosses. Like these are so old school approaches for me. Like you have to go with some new solutions. I, I feel like uh, Shane Algunesh did that a lot as well. Like, he. I've, I think Shane Algunesh had a fantastic period at Bishkek, obviously. But throughout those years that he was there, I never got the feeling that he gave the, the chance to young players. I don't. I can't remember a single player that he actually did that to. Like, the only player that I think he actually improved while he was at Bishkek was Cenk, probably. I think that's the only guy that he really, um, like, made better into, and, and that, that at the start of his term and at the end of his term left as a better player. Like, guys, like, okay, he, he rehabilitated Mario Gomez. He definitely uh, did wonders for Abubakar as well. But, and, and Anderson Taliska had a great uh, period at, at Besiktas, but they were all already players that knew they could do that, you know? Like, they just Actually, needed to... Actually, he... I think he's the one who brought Ozan Tufan back in versus Paul. Yeah. From, uh, no, well, from the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did it at Academy. other clubs. He did it at other clubs. Like, at Bursaspor, he, he did wonders with, with, with Volkan Shen. He did wonders with uh, Ozan Tufan. I mean, obviously, with Volkan Shen, he rehabilitated him. And that's something he has done with, with, with for example, Burak Yilmaz. Uh, he, he didn't just rehabilitate Burak. He also turned him into a, a proper striker. So he had, definitely has a, has a great track record of doing these things. Um, but for some reason, he didn't do that at Besiktas. He just continued to uh, depend on the proven talents, uh, you know, Quaresma and, and those types of players. And um, I felt like a lot of the the, the younger players that Besiktas bought over the years, like Matej Mitrovic, Alexander Milosevic, um, those types, I, I don't they didn't get chances really. And if they got a chance and they made a mistake, then they were immediately written off. I honestly think if Shinal Ganesh was in charge at Besiktas right now, a guy like Aydin Hasic wouldn't get an opportunity. I, I just can't see it. I, I think uh, Montero wouldn't play either. So, you know, just things like that. Like, yeah, I think Montero made a mistake against Gaziantep. If he did that under Shinal Ganesh, I think it would have been done. Like, you wouldn't play anymore. Like, one mistake, bam, you're out. And I think... Well, yeah, sorry, the, go, thing, go ahead. the thing is that uh, Sargan made the... Uh, 
long interview with a, a reporter like uh, two weeks ago, I think, before just before the Christmas. Uh, and not going by the spoiler, but uh, he said that none of us see our future for like like after two or three months. None of us have the guarantee of not getting going to be fired. So people demand us to like raise young kids, young talents to the uh, clubs. But he says that even as a coach, he doesn't see his future in the club uh, as guaranteed. So in that occasion, in that atmosphere, uh, how can a coach raise a player of like young kids of young talents into the team? Uh, like, I don't know. Uh, it's like a, you know, He's, yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, yeah, I agree with this mentality. Yeah. A lot of coaches they don't dare to give opportunities to young or dare they don't want to take the risk of taking an opportunity, uh, giving young players opportunities because they want results now. And if they don't win the match, they get criticized relentlessly. Um, and you can only like it, it's difficult as a coach without a doubt. And I think definitely the difference is when. When Shinol Gunesh did that at Bursaspor, or even with all due respect at Trabzonspor, I think when he came to Besiktas, especially after winning the title in his first season and then being expected to win it again and again and again, he just didn't want to take risks and always wanted to fall back on certainties, so to speak. And I think that's something that a coach easily falls into, uh, and that's perhaps what, what Fatih Terim right now has fallen into, because... I think if Galatasaray were more comfortable and they were in the lead of the table, like let's say in the early 2010s when they had Drogba, Snyder, Burak, Selchuk and they were all in their prime, I think it was a lot easier back then to give an opportunity to a guy like Semikaya uh, because the team was basically, you know, better than everyone else. Like Yeah, it could be, but uh, the, the time when he gave the opportunity to Semikaya was the time when uh, our top defenders like Sarvet Chetin and Gökhan Zan went off all injured and suspended, that he had to put yeah. uh, uh, Semikaya there. And once he played real good in his initial games, he uh, started to give more opportunities to him. And uh, afterwards, he became like the, uh, like the main member of the squad. Yeah, and that's exactly what happened to Ozan Kabak as well. Yeah. Anyway, uh, well, we spoke about uh, Galatasaray, spoke about Trabzonspor, spoke a little bit about Bishtis as well already. Let's talk a little bit about Fenerbahce because the big news that is keeping everything uh, in Turkish football right now uh, occupied is, of course, Mesut Özil, who is seemingly finally coming to Fenerbahce, coming to Turkey. Um, you know, uh, I think Özil is 32, going on 33 right now. Uh, he's kind of had a spat of falling out at Arsenal, mainly because of political reasons, where I believe he criticized uh, the Chinese government last year of their oppression of the, Ugur, Urs, the Uyghurs, uh, however I should pronounce that, uh, the minority in, in uh, the Muslim minority in China. Uyghurs. Yeah, the Uyghurs, sorry. Uh, the, the Muslim minority in, in China. And obviously, Premier League and English teams have uh, very big stakeholders in China. 
that was not received well uh, by the Chinese government, and ever since then, really, uh, Mesut Özil has kind of been uh, brushed aside, been put on the sideline, really, and uh, it's time for him to find a way out there. Uh, he has come to an agreement to terminate his deal with Arsenal. Arsenal will still be compensating him for a portion of his wages. And he is on his way to Fenerbahce now. It's, of course, a massive transfer. The 2000... Uh, I want to say 2004... Yeah, the 2014 World Cup winners with Germany. Um, right? 2014? Uh, yeah, Mesut was an instrumental player in that team. At the same time, Mesut Özil, since then, really since... Dropping, retiring from the German national team since his massive spat with the German media as well. Um, I feel like he, his career has been fizzling out a little bit. Uh, it seems like he hasn't really done much in the last couple of years. How do you guys feel about Mesut Özil coming to Turkey? What type of an impact do you believe he can have on Fenerbahce's team right now? And like Fenerbahce right now top of the table together with Bishtesh, both on 38 points after after 18 games. Um, but at the same time, I so far have not had, had the impression that Fenerbahce are a really good team. Like, I feel like they rely a lot on, on, on Janner, uh, got a lot of points because of that. Um, I think they can definitely use something to pull that team together. Uh, and Mesut Özil may be the key. I don't know if he is. Well, what do you guys think, Jakub? What do you think of Mesut Özil? Can he make Fenerbahce champions this year? Because that's really what they have to do, right? If Mesut Özil comes, it's make or break. Well, I, I think it really depends on how um, how good Özil is when he, when he starts to play again. As you said, um, he hasn't featured uh, in a while for, for Arsenal due to several reasons. And... Um, you know, it's out of the question that if if he if he returns to his his form, he's he's like clearly the best player in the league. There's no question about that. But you know, as you said, the current the current situation at Fenerbahce is a bit of an odd one. They they transferred like 20 players. Um, they have like like 40 billion midfielders, but it seems that they, you know, don't really have a have a clear choice when it comes to the midfield about uh, how they will, uh, you know, attack the goal. Um, it, it does seem like they quite heavily depend on players over the wing, uh, producing some, you know, some 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 moments that that can help them, you know, score goals. So, I think that you know, if you if you only account for uh, for Özil coming into the team, I think that um, it's like putting a bandaid. Over you know a, a cut arm at the moment, I think that he can make a he, he could make a big difference. But I think that the whole team um, has to kind of change to to accommodate him. You know, I thought that when they got uh, when 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 they got Sosa at the start of the season, I thought that he would pretty much do the things that he was uh, doing at Trabzonspor. You know, um, trying to fill that role as a as, as a playmaking player. But his his stint at Fenerbahce has been awful so far. So I think that um, I think that Fenerbahce also um, depended heavily on on a player like Sosa to to do what he did what he did last year. And um, I think that they want to slot in uh, Mesut at his position. Um, I just hope that they won't play him at the wing uh, because I just 
can't wait for the day that Errol Blut is telling him to play on the right wing or something. Um, you know, as I said, I think I think he's a good player. Um, it's a bit difficult with with how his uh, how his fitness is. Um, I'm pretty sure that he, you know, even though he wasn't featured in the team for a while, he did train on his own. But we all know that um, training on his own is is really different. Um, to you know, match training and playing in matches and getting into that uh, you know that mindset of um, of being on the pitch. So it it would it will probably take a bit before he gets um, um, gets going. But um, you know, all in all, a, a good transfer. I do think that the financial side is just absolutely bonkers. Um, I have had a couple of uh, Fenerbahce fans on Twitter attack me over that. Um, I just think that, you know, especially if you look at the current problems that Galsari has with Falcao and uh, Falcao's wages, I think that with the current uh, current uh, situation of, of, of the Turkish Lira, uh, it's not a smart choice to put all your money into one basket, so to say, to hope that uh, a midfielder is going to take you to the next step. Um, you know, with with his reported wages being around, you know, five million only a salary and the extra bonuses that get added on to it on the, you know, with, 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 with goals and appearances and assists. I think that if they don't become champions this year, it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's done for, for Ali Koch. And I think that, um, I think that this season, the signing of, uh, the signing of Ozil will, you know, exemplify that, um, he threw all the money into the, you know, in, in, into into the into the club, but it didn't really get him anything. Hmm. So um, it's 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 a little bit of a crapshoot uh, for for Fener fans. They they have to win it, and if they don't, it's pretty much a failure at this point. The thing with uh, with Fenerbahce is, I think they made a lot of transfers, like you said, like twenty players or something. But if we look at all those transfers they've made, Mertak and Yandash, he's not been a great success i'm not gonna call him a bust but like he's not been a hit neither has gokhan gunnel's return like he's been questionable uh obviously i think having a guy like gokhan gunnel in your team is never bad uh sangari i think was a good signing um janner has been proven to be a good signing samata has been injured for a long time valencia has been out for a long time Tiam is he's been scoring goals lately again, but he has been injured for a while. Um, on top of that, I don't think he's a Fenerbahce level player uh, necessarily. But I mean, it doesn't matter. Like I, I also don't think that Kyle Lahren is necessarily a Besiktas level player, but he's performing, so it doesn't matter if they score goals, right? Um, then you have uh, Ademi, who hasn't really done anything at all. Sosa has been a bust. I think we can just say that he's been a, he's been a flop. Um, Filip Novak has been a flop. Like, uh, what, what's that? What those those two guys they have at the back called again? I forget their name. Tisserand is. Uh, Tisserand and Lemos. Yeah, Tisserand and Lemos are both questionable. I feel like neither of them are are. They're they're no Luganos. They're no, um, you know, back in the like Fenerbahce have always had at least one really good center back. Simon Kier, Martin Skirtel, Lugano. Like, traditionally, they've always had that over the last 20 years or so, almost. And they just don't have that right now. They, they don't. Like, I think right now their big guy at the back is Altai. 
And with Altai, you never know. He can kill. I mean, he he escapes sometimes, but like he he has many moments where he should just get sent off. Like against Bishtesh in the derby, clear handball, escapes somehow, far decides not to look at it. But like he does things like that frequently because he's very aggressive in coming out, which is which which is part of what makes him good. But sometimes, more often, it happens relatively frequently that he comes out in a bad way and then he's like I remember last year he had a, a clear red red card situation but then he gets bailed out because there was a, a an offside position just before that and like I feel like that's happened since he joined Fenerbahce like at least four times where he has that situation where he just escapes from a red card I think recently he got a red card right as well um you know obviously whatever but Altai is a great goalkeeper uh, for Fenerbahce right now, he's not. He has shortcomings, obviously, but he's one on one. He's he's probably the best in the league right now. I would say. Um, obviously, Muslera isn't playing, but you know from the the keepers that are playing at the moment. Uh, but yeah, just Fenerbahce. Just I feel like chemistry wise, they aren't where they should should be. If I look at at Besiktas, they're not playing great football uh, all the time. They certainly aren't. But when I look at them, I feel like there's a team there and players that are fighting for each other, fighting for their coach every match. And there's a lot. There's great team chemistry. Fenerbahce, I don't see that. I don't see that being the case. Like they're, I don't feel like they're fighting for Errol Bulut. I don't feel like they are fighting for one another. I think it's just like, it's kind of what you get when you get 20 new players and which are basically all mercenaries that, you know, footballers all are, really. But, you know, you have to have, like, a base of players that have been at the club for X amount of years. And for Fenerbahce, almost every player, except for a couple like Ozan Tufan and stuff, they, they're all new. And it takes a while before you forge uh, a proper team spirit, team chemistry. Um, and right now, I, I don't see that for Fenerbahce. Their big plus is that they have gathered a lot of points despite the fact that they are not yet a great team. Now, the positive Elan they are on right now, with all the wins, it can go quickly. We saw it a couple of years ago with Galatasaray, where they almost changed their entire first 11. They had a really early start in Europe with Östersund and stuff like that, which uh, got them meshing early on. And after a couple of months, like they were already a solid cohesive unit and that's definitely something that can happen at Fenerbahce as well I don't know if Errol Blut is the man to do it but it can definitely happen Mesut Özil without a question of a doubt like Jakub said if he goes to his old form it will by far and large be the best player in the Turkish league but the question is is that enough uh, Mesut Özil traditionally is known as a man of the assist not a man of the goal he's not Alex you know he's more a guy that prepares a goal not that he doesn't score goals but he's you know the assist king right the question then is who is he going to feed who is going to be the man that uh, finishes it off like Papi Sisse, Tiam um, of course Samata like Samata we still have to wait and see like he had a great couple of years with Genk flopped in England um, He's potentially a really good player for them, but we still have to wait and see. And, and Tiam and, and CC, I just don't think, are champion ma maker materials. Like, they aren't uh, they aren't guys like, like Drogba, Burak, uh, Gomez, 
uh, you know, those types of big strikers. And I think you do kind of need that, but we'll have to wait and see, uh, of course. Uh, but uh, Umut, what are your expectations from Mesut Özil and Fenerbahce? What is your impression from Fenerbahce as a team so far this season? And how do you see Mesut Özil fitting into that puzzle? And do you believe he can lift them up to a higher level, uh, which will be required to win the title? Well, first I should say a brief uh, thing about Misut. I mean, he's capable of bringing great quality to the team, but bringing a player who plays in the same position as Palkas, who currently is the best player, in my opinion, in the team. Uh, and I can't see how the team and the lineup will be after Misut's arrival. Uh, I mean, we all know he has passed his age and still have still have a live example like him, uh, like Arda Turan uh, in Galatasaray, who really needed to redeem himself to the fans and the club. Uh, so giving his all during the games and plays currently uh, plays and currently dictate the team. So Mesut can fit in the team in that manner with a similar role. But we still have no idea of his mindset and how determined he will be on the field. Uh, I know uh, he lacks a work rate on the field. Uh, you know, uh, I don't think it's a rational move uh, by the club to transfer him, knowing his lack of work rate on the field and knowing the kind of play style where nine outfielders carry one man defensively and defending with one player missing. Uh, I mean, we can see even Barcelona struggles to carry Messi when he fails to perform enough to keep his team ahead all the times. Uh, yeah, for sure. So this is a similar situation why Messi lost his place in Arsenal. Uh, because I think Premier League is a league in my opinion, the most dynamic league where all the players need to perform with a lot of effort. And after a while, it gets nearly impossible to play with a one-man down uh, defensively. Uh, I mean, he can provide assists and goals, but when it gets to defense, uh, playing with one man down is pretty bad, actually. Uh but on the other hand, Mesut brought a lot of attention to the club by using his social media and currently all the spotlights are on him and expect him to perform. And I don't think he will like bottle this opportunity in that kind of way. Uh, I expect him to perform good, but I don't know how long uh, will he stay fit uh, like until he retires. Yeah, uh, how old is Mesut now? Like he's thirty-two, right? But is he turning thirty-three already? Or yeah, he... like so, like uh, seeing that, I would say he's the same age. Haji has arrived to Galatas, right? So yeah, you can see the difference. Uh, I don't know if he's capable of uh, giving this similar success uh, to Fenerbahce that Haji gave in the same age to Galatasaray. Yeah, but you also need to look at what Haji came into. Uh, Haji came into a generation of players yeah. like Hakan, like Okan, 
you know, Umita, Umitavala, Hakan Unsal, uh, you know, all those great Turkish talents. If we look at the current Fenerbahce crop of players, like there's Ozan Tufan and then what is there? <laughs> it's all old Pelkas. guys, right? Yeah, Pelkas. Sorry, yeah, I totally forgot. Pelkas actually, he has been f- amazing. I felt, I feel, and he's one of been. He been. He has been one of the main reasons, apart from Janner, obviously, uh, for for Fenerbahce to pick up as many points as they have. But like, when you look at this 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 Fenerbahce team, like, I don't know. I I, it doesn't strike me as a team that's going to win the league. Well. It, uh... If uh, in the recent weeks we saw that uh, defensively Fenerbahce team were uh, lacking the rotation that they had to play uh, Sadik at the end of the day in the uh, center back uh, because uh, the player who they just bought uh, Lemos uh, wasn't good enough to play in the uh, starting squad at all like. Uh, so they had to just rely on Sardes and Tisarant. And when one of them just uh, gets injured or suspended, they're in a big danger uh, defensively. And also, if they lose Ozan Tufan or uh, Luis Gustavo, they're in terrible danger as well because they don't have any substitutes that has the same quality at all. Yeah, and there's been rumors that uh, Ozan Tufan may actually be uh, well. Those rumors are always there, really. Like Ozan yeah. is one of like I guess right now, Ozan is there. There uh, alongside Altai, obviously, their most valuable player to sell. I think to get a good uh, transfer fee for. And there have been rumors of interest in him again. Like there always really are. Uh, whenever he's doing good, uh, of course he was almost written off <laughs> uh, not too long ago until uh, Sergen Yalcin rehabilitated him at Alanya. But, uh, yeah, I mean, is also, what are they going to have to do to make financial room for Mesut Özil? Like, is the the VEDA transfer alone isn't going to cope. I think the VEDA transfer kind of was used to bring in all the players they've brought in thus far. Because um, they brought in, like you guys said, like 20 players. Uh, that That's a, it's a big uh, financial investment. Um yeah, so the rumors are, of course, that uh, I believe Akun is going to be playing for uh, Mesut Özil, or at least part of the transfer, that it's going to be a sponsored deal and stuff like that. Pretty sure financial fair play doesn't really allow that, but on the other hand, uh, what happened with uh, with ne- Neymar, right? So uh, financial fair play can uh, say and do what they want, but there's always creative ways to go around that stuff. Uh, so I don't know about the financial aspect of it. I, I don't really think that... Um, the, I mean, look, let's be honest. Ali Koch has been finding creative ways to keep Fenerbahce afloat. I also don't think that even if they don't win the title, I don't think it can be the end of Ali Koch because I don't know who's going to step in and take over that that financial load that Fenerbahce are carrying. They need Ali Koch to keep them alive right now. Um, with 660 plus million euros in debt, that's the most of any Turkish club right now. And... Um, the 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 quarterly reports can say what they want, but Fenerbahce are in deep, deep financial trouble. And the only reason they are okay right now is because Ali Koch keeps flooding the bill, uh, keeps keeps p- picking up the tab. 
I mean, Fenerbahce has the um, has the as the good chance that they have a lot of <clears throat> that they have a lot of wealthy people can just take you know take over. Um, a lot of fans have been talking about um, Ali Koch for a while, but you know he can easily be replaced by by someone else. You know, I, a lot of people think that Arjun will some someday will take over, but you know it's just. With, with with the current with the current situation of um, of financial fair play, it's just you know, it's pushing the problem away until you can't see it anymore, and then running after it, you know. So it's going to be it's going to be difficult for for pretty much any Turkish team. <clears throat> I have seen um, I have seen the quarterly reports, and um, you know, Fenerbahce on paper has the le- has the least amount of loss with Galatasaray and Besiktas having a lot more, but um, in the same time you can you don't have to go that that long back to see Galatasaray have sportive success, um, Besiktas have sportive success, and Fenerbahce has been lacking in that department for a long time. So I think that. You know, with, with with the fans really being desperate for a championship for all those years, um, I think that if if Ali Koch really can't bring a championship to the team, it doesn't matter if he brings Ronaldo or Messi to the team. I think he will be on his way out, um, because as I said, there will always be a rich guy that is ready to take over a team as uh, as, as big as Fenerbahce. Um, it won't even surprise me if 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 Aziz Yildirim takes over in a couple of years. Because why not? And um, you know the current problems at, at Fenerbahce are are just like a um, they define what what the current problems in Turkey are. Um, you know you can you can push push all older players on massive wages to to push over uh, to push the team over the ledge to you know become champion, but um, financially it just breaks the team because there is no way you can sustain it unless you become champion every year. And, and even even that isn't enough, really. Yeah, you know, you you saw it at Besiktas when they when they became champions and um, they started to spend a lot more money. But the moment you you don't become champion, those wages um, they hurt really bad, you know. And Galatasaray did the same thing. So you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, of course. But um, it seems that um, it seems that. The fans are at the moment are content with it because they uh, they think in short in short term and uh, the club presidents tend to tend to do that uh, too because you know they um, they they only uh, you know become the president for a short term generally so they don't really care what happens after they go but you know it's um, it's it's odd it's odd I think that um, currently it's just. I don't think that there is a clear clear team that is uh, that's going to take the take the take the title this year. I think that Besiktas has been doing really well over the past weeks, but um, quality wise, they might be lacking a bit. And um, you know, it's 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 going to be a tough season. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I completely agree. Uh, I think f- f- to talk about Besiktas for a second, I think that what Serian has done with the the, the material he has is 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 very impressive. Um, that said, I don't think he would have been able to do this if he didn't get Abu Bakr, if he didn't get Gazal, if he didn't get Joseph de Souza. Like those guys have been a big quality injection. But like Umut said earlier as well, like those were all 
guys brought in on very limited uh, resources. Like, Besiktas have not spent a lot at all on transfers. Like, they've brought in some guys on loan, and then they brought in, like, a guy like Abubakar on, obviously, with his injury history, like, a very cheap deal and a very low-risk deal for themselves. Um, so... Bishish fans have been very critical of their transfer policy, and it, it took Bishish a while because they had a slow start of the season. Uh, but you have to look at the transformation of the team compared to last season. Like a lot of players went, John Ergokan obviously went. Uh, they they kind of lost Leitch, uh, even though he's still there. But like he's not been any, he hasn't played a part in the team at all this season. Hopefully that'll change in the future. Uh, and it, it, like the signs currently are pointing towards Leic, uh still having a future at the club. Uh, it looked for a while that he had some issues with Sergen and stuff like that, but um, the, the the verbiage that is being used by Sergen by club officials right now definitely point toward that the fact that look he's just had issues with an injury. He's had Corona, but we are are counting on him when he gets back to full fitness. So we'll have to wait and see on that part. But yeah. Like, at the end of the day, uh, I did not think Bistesh would play for the title this year, if I'm quite honest. Uh, I didn't think Bistesh would be playing for the title for a couple of years. So in that regard, like, it's been great being a Bistesh fan, and it, because if you're realistic, I think, if you were realistic six months ago, I think you were in for like, oh, the next five years are going to be painful. And right now we're in the middle of a title race, so that's positive, right? On top of that... I think one of the most positive aspects as well is Sergen's record in the big games, where at first you could think, oh, you know, I mean, maybe it's a little bit of luck. But if you look at it now, I mean, this season, four quote-unquote derbies, and they've won everything. They beat Trabzonspor, they beat Başakşehir, they beat Fenerbahçe away for the first time since 2005, and they beat Galatasaray. And then last season, when he came in, they drew against Galatasaray and Turk Telecom Arena. Obviously, that was the first match with no fans. So that did definitely play a part. Uh, and I, I can't recall what they... Oh, yeah, and they beat they beat Fenerbahce at uh, Vodafone Park. Um, I don't remember what they did against Trabzonspor. Um, nor Bashakshir, I can't really recall. But, like, definitely, uh, Sergen has a record in these big games. So... I feel like for the first time in a very long time, whereas as, as Bishtesh, you go into these big matches, and I'm not going to say you feel comfortable for a win, but you do feel like we're not going to get spanked. We're going to play our game, and we're going to make it difficult, and we're probably going to get something from this match. That's a feeling that I, as a Bishtesh fan, haven't had for a very long time. Even with Channel Gunesh, yes, the home games, you felt that, but like the away games, it's always kind of, eh... You know, Shail Ganesh never managed to win away at Fenerbahce, for example. Obviously, different different times, whatever. But with Slavin Bilic, it was a big thing, was he did really well in the small games, but the big matches, he'd always come up short. And that's something that's definitely diff different now. And um, I saw a couple of interesting points being made recently. One was uh, from a, uh, the father of a friend, uh, of two friends of mine, and he said Sergen's probably really lucky um, for the current situation with Corona because the team was bad at the beginning of the season and it took a while for the team to mesh. And I 100% I, I agree with what he said because I'm 100% sure guys like Wellington, guys like Ensakala, those types of transfers which are perceived as not good enough by fans, they would have gotten...
they would have gotten booed relentlessly um, if it wasn't for the, fan, the fact that there's no no fans. We, know, we all know how Turkish fans can be and how toxic they can be sometimes, especially uh, when it comes to signings that they don't like. Like, oh, it's it's Wellington as a guy from Alanya Sport, he's 30 years old, blah, 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 you know? But because there was this time at the beginning of the season where the, the, the fans weren't a factor, really, um, except for social media, it, it allowed this team to mesh, to grow, and now become a formidable side. Not saying that they're always playing amazing football, but Bistich are, without a shadow of a doubt, a tough team. Like doesn't matter who you get, like Galtzreif, Fenerbahce, whatever. They're always going to have a tough time against this bitch stage. I'm not, say, I'm not saying they're unbeatable, but they are a formidable side. And that's just the way it is. doesn't mean bitch is going to win every game easily because we've seen that like almost every game is difficult. Um, no matter who you play, Ankara, Guju, Hatay, um, Gustepe, whatever, you know, that's coming up soon. But they are a formidable team. Whereas with, 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 with Galtzreif, it's... Um, and, and Fenerbahce, they're also obviously formidable sides, but we've seen uh, with, with Fenerbahce, like a, just a couple of weeks ago, they had a real period where I think it was, their season was almost over, and they were really lucky in that game against Bashakshi here because they were coming off of two home def- home defeats in three games, um, and then they played Bashakshi here, and I think they got really lucky there because Gustavo should have always been red carded and sent off, and then it ended up that uh, um, Rafael got sent off for a fall he didn't even commit with a second yellow card, and they ended up winning that match against Bashakshir. And that was the turning point for Fenerbahce. Like, had they lost that game, I don't think they would be in the position they're in right now. I think their season would be over already. Uh, Sergen keeps saying, Uzunbir Marathon, it's a long marathon. And it's definitely true, we're going to have 40 match days this season. Um, if I'm not mistaken, two more games to go before the halfway line, so to speak. Um, and there's still so, so much more uh, to be said and done this season, and things can turn really quickly. Like I said a couple of weeks ago, Fenerbahce looked out, uh, but uh, they turned things around. They've gone on a winning streak, and that can happen at any point. Like Besiktas can, they're playing Fatih Karagumruk this weekend, and that's a tough side. Pistas could just lose that game, go into a negative spiral, start losing matches, drop dropping points. Uh, same thing can happen for Galtzray on the other end. Like they can suddenly start going on a winning streak, like Fenerbahce have, and like it's still such a long way to go right now. It's very difficult to predict who will be at the top of the table. Like I mean, even Trabzonspor are completely not out of the race at all. I think at this point, with the way they've been uh, slowly but surely developing into a better team under Abdullah Avci, like. <laughs> They could very well, like match day 27, they could be at the top of the table. You never know. It's a very unpredictable season, especially with these fans, uh, with no fans being allowed. I'm very curious how that is going to develop. Like, let's say come May or something, are we going to start seeing um, like uh, uh, 25% of the stadium full or something? And is that going to come into play for the deciding matches? Uh, Bistesh, for example, will play Galatasaray. Uh, on match day, what is it, 37 or something? Could be a deciding match for the title. Uh, maybe there's fans back in Turk Telecom at that point. So uh, that's all going to be very fascinating to watch and continue to follow this season. Um, yeah, well, anyway, I, I'm very excited for the season and I didn't feel like this a um, couple of months ago. 
you know, in the, the second half of last season, with no fans being there, Corona, the way the world was going, I really was down on football for a while. I didn't enjoy watching football without fans. Um, but I definitely think that uh, Digiturk as well, like uh, them chiming in uh, crowd sounds definitely helps for my immersion in matches when I'm watching the games. I don't know how you guys feel about that. And uh, are, are you happy to have the distraction of uh, football? Whereas I, I know you were all kind of down on the idea, right, a couple of months ago. But um, how, how are you feeling about that now? No, I'm I'm happy with the way it is at the moment. I um, find myself enjoying much more games than usual. You know, uh, I generally, you know, do watch uh, do watch a couple of teams outside of Trabzonspor, but don't really care a lot about them. But I have seen myself just, you know, being glued to the screen for a, for a random match um, because it's you know it it, it takes you away from the daily. Uh, daily annoyance of uh, of not being able to do anything um i don't really care about um the crowd so the crowd noise it's uh, it's it's nice to to have it to but it's not really like i'm i'm depending on it um but you know there was there was a couple of weeks back there was a little bit of an issue with with bain sports um using some sounds at the Fenerbahce game where um where they talked, uh, where they cursed about Fenerbahce or something, and um, <laughs> yeah, and Fenerbahce had a protest a couple of days ago after their game that they um, that they wore T-shirts talking about how they want um, honest representation representation uh, from uh, from Bain Sports, and they decided to not show that. So it's <laughs> you know Turkish uh, the Turkish league doesn't. Um, you know, it, it, it can battle with the best of the best uh, when it comes to drama series. Yeah, for so sure. So it's always nice to have it back. <laughs> There's always a little bit of censorship as well. Remember, like, when there would be, like, curses in the crowd, they just completely uh, drown out the sound and stuff like that. Yeah, the big derby matches were always mm. really fun because you just... There were, like, big like minutes of the game that were just uh, censored because they were either... Talking crap about the opponents, uh, the opponents, or the or the referee, yeah. or, or whatever you know. It's uh, Turkish league is fun. It might not be the um, the best quality uh, footballing wise, but mm-hmm. everything that comes with it is just is just unbelievably great. And how about you, Umut? Have you uh, felt like football's been a, a good distraction for you? Yeah, at least we have something to watch regularly during the weekends. And now, uh, due to the lack of uh, match load, uh, we can also be busy watching the league during the weekdays as well. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I think it's good to uh, have this kind of adventure, this kind of uh, adrenaline pumping down uh, in the league Uh you know, uh, since our childhood, we've been watching the league, the teams we support. So uh, there hasn't been this kind of a long time we were out of football uh, due to the corona case. So uh, uh, the importance or the, the need uh, is uh, actually noticed after we were so much away from it. And... After it came back, uh, is a good thing uh, to know, a good thing to watch, and uh, still supporting our clubs and uh, watching the league. 
even though it's uh, full of, uh, you know, bad decisions or, you know, uh, the quality of football is not being great, but still uh, we watch it. I don't know why, but maybe the team we support competes in it. Masochism. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, it's been great, actually. Uh, uh, the, the, you know, uh, how we say in Turkish, we say atışma, uh, the, you know, the the thing between these big teams, supporters, the fans, uh, all over the social media in every week. Uh, we are used to it. So uh, I don't know if we missed it, but uh, because of the, uh, you know, the games, it's all over again. And, I've, uh, and I, I'm actually happy from it, uh, just seeing the competitiveness, uh, the fanatism uh, of the fans uh, all over the social networks. Uh, I think we need it. Yeah, for sure. Tur- if, if Turkish football wants to survive, uh, the social media in that regard, I mean, I often think social media is negative, has a negative impact and stuff, but uh, in this regard, I mean, how else are we going to gauge the the reaction of the fans and stuff like that and keep the, like you said, the fanaticism alive, the, the, yeah, like keep it interesting as well. And to a certain degree. And, you know, the, 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 the circus that Turkish football, uh, is really, it will never really go away. I mean, just look at the recent events with Sumudika uh, at Gaziantep and, uh, then, uh, yeah, right. What was he doing? Like trying to get more money and claiming he had an offer from, uh, from, 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 some Arab club or something, and uh, then un- eventually Antep ended up firing him. Now he's at Rizespor. Uh, they are actually playing right now against each other. And I just got also this. we have to mention that uh, Gustave signed Unal Karaman this uh, uh, afternoon, yeah. uh, and also uh, Antep signed the uh, wait who was he? Uh, Ricardo Sapinto. Uh, I think he's Portuguese. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Former yeah. Uh, Sporting Lisbon striker, and he was at Standard Liège in, in Belgium, coaching them. Very fiery, temperamental coach. He'll fit right in. Yeah, it's good news then. Yeah, for sure. He reminds me a bit of uh, Sergio Conceição. Uh, very similar <laughs> personalities, I think. But uh, his post-match interviews in Belgium were always great. Uh, always worth of a watch. So uh, another character in our league. And it will definitely add to uh, the circus of Turkish football. Um, but yeah, guys, I, I've been taking a lot of your time already. We've been speaking for a while. We had a lot to catch up on, obviously. Unfortunately, Burak couldn't be here to give his perspective on Fenerbahce or Uzer to give his perspective on, on, on Galatasaray. Um, recording is difficult at the moment, unfortunately. I'm ca- currently in between houses. Uh, we just sold the house that we used to live in. Now we're building a new house. We're now temporarily living somewhere uh, in a... In a temporary house, so to speak, and uh, it's just really difficult to record in the evenings because it's a small, r- small cube basically where everything is very short, packed up on each other. So when the wife and kid are sleeping, usually I used to record, but now it's difficult. I'd be keeping them up, so we'll have to be creative a little bit and try to find maybe like afternoons, like this Wednesday afternoon or something Wednesday afternoon, perhaps for recording. Also, with matches coming so close to each other, it's really difficult for us to say, "Oh, we're gonna do." 
uh, this match day now, it, you know, because there's like three match days in a week, you know, it, it's very difficult to uh, to do that now. So we'll just be doing a little bit more broader discussions and hopefully uh, try to get some episodes out to you uh, more frequently in the coming months. We're now two matches removed from the halfway line in the league. Um, like we said before, it's very difficult to predict who's going to be champions, but let's have a stab at it anyway, uh, just so we can get proven wrong at the end of the season. Umut, as it currently stands, who do you think will lift the trophy at the end of the season? Uh, we will never know, because we have too <laughs> long to go, but uh, current impressions say Besiktas is uh, more ahead. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jakub, what do you think? Um, <clears throat> I agree. I think that Besiktas will um, will or might might take the might take, might take the title at the end of the season, um, and uh, depending on what Fenerbahce does with uh, with Özil, uh, they might also be. But I think at the current moment, I think Besiktas. Yeah, yeah, same opinion here. Really, I think Besiktas look like the most of a, a team. They look like a team. I don't feel like any. I, I don't feel like any other team right now really feels like a cohesive team that can lift the title at the end of the season. But you never know. Like 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 Jakub pointed out, Bistich might lack a little bit of quality, a little bit of eccentric quality. Like they have good individual players like Abubakar and 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 Gazal and stuff, but they might lack a little bit of flair. I think they're gonna need uh, an Adam Laich to be good in the second half of the season to add them that little extra if they want to lift it. Um, and of course, you know, like I said earlier, things can turn around really quickly. We might just see Galtzrai go on a, on, a, on a tear in a couple of weeks and just win like seven, eight, nine games in a row. You never know. Uh, one more thing that we forgot to talk about, and that is a very important thing. It's last season's champion, Bershakshi here. What honor is going on there? They are literally in the relegation zone right now. Um, had a so-so Champions League campaign. Couldn't really expect more from them from than what they managed to accomplish there. I mean, they were in a really tough group. But in the league, by God, what's going on there? Um, Umut in the group chat has, ref- has, has made reference to uh, Claudio Ranieri at Leicester. You know, winning the title one season, then the next season having to get sacked because they were almost getting relegated. Is the same thing going to happen to Okan Buruk? How much longer can he hold on to his job if they keep going the way they're going? Like, Umut, let's get your thoughts on this quickly. Well, uh, from the uh, works of Okan Buruk during his Akisar days and afterwards uh, Başakşehir, I don't think he's a bad coach at all, but I think he made the wrong planning uh, before the start of the season and this is the result of it. The uh, by using old players like uh, Martin Schürtel uh, and relying on players like uh, Dan Baba and Enzo Crivelli up front, uh, uh, who have so limited uh, to provide you. Uh, so older squad can uh, result you in uh, bad consequences uh, because. The time when Başakşehir uh, were successful during the era of Abdullah Havcı, there were a team uh, of like a uh, bunch of years. It was a collective team of those years 
which is a result uh, of uh, that kind of partnership after all those years. And Okan Baruch somehow uh, had the opportunity to uh, have the team uh, under his coaching and got the title at the end. But uh, I think he didn't see that the team uh, aged uh, too much after all those seasons and he didn't uh, uh, went on and renewed the team uh, with new players, youngsters. Uh, so I think that's the result of it. And what do you think, uh, Jakub? Are you surprised by the downfall of uh, Basakshi here? Um, yeah, I am. Um, I don't really get it. Um, I think that uh, Umut has been right because uh, the team um, teams, you know, I don't know. It, it it seems kind of it seems kind of weird. I I do think that that they have great players. I do think that um, they added a lot of great players. You know, they they got players like. Uh, like Giuliano, like like Chadli, they got they got Dennis Tudutri, who I think is a pretty good player, but it doesn't work, and I don't I don't get I don't get why it doesn't work. Uh, I haven't been able to watch a lot of games of them um, outside of the game that they played against us, um, and even during that game, you could have you could see that they depended on like two players and Visha and 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 Irfan Jan pretty much made the difference even though they have a lot of a lot of great players it just i don't know it just doesn't doesn't work and um it was it was what it was you know clear that they won't they that they wouldn't be able to um to replicate uh, the success of last year because um almost no team in turkey that you know outside of the top 4 that gets that big um is able to 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 you know to uh, to extend those good days for a long time, because um, the other big four teams always catch up and they will always you know get better while you get worse. But if you if you look at the current squad, they do seem to have a pretty good squad. Um, they are up there with age. I think that maybe that could be an issue. But you know to see such a big downfall like immediately after a championship season. It was just, I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. I did think that they wouldn't be the same as last year, but to see them, you know, being a mid-table team at the moment, you know, they are 13th. It's, it's pretty odd, you know. Okanburg didn't turn, um, didn't turn crap, uh, you know, overnight. So, but some, mm. you know, so, so someone wonders what, uh, what the, what the current problems are. There's also some weird stuff going on there with, uh, like. Mert Gunok getting dropped, uh, Volkan Babajan playing, making a lot of mistakes. Like, um, saw some criticism on Mert at the start of the season where he was getting blamed for stuff, but then, like, it feels like Okan kind of shared that sentiment, blamed Mert, benched him, but then Volkan just went and did even worse. And I don't get why Mert isn't back in the team. Um, it feels like some players have mentally checked out, uh, especially Irfan Jan seems to be. Yeah, like right now the rumors, of course, are that that uh, that, that you know Fat rumors. Well, Fatih Terim just came out flat and sa- said it. I want Irfan Jan. Obviously, Irfan Jan is a player with a lot of value right now. Uh, Bashakshir wants at least fifteen or or so million euros for him. That I don't think that's something Galatasaray can pay, uh, especially given what uh, what what their president said just last week. Um, but 
yeah, I mean, Irfan Jan, I think his father went on Bea's t- TV or something this week and said, oh, Irfan wants to go to Galatasaray. He grew up as a Fenerbahce fan, but his uncles turned him into a Galatasaray fan, and he wants to leave, he wants to go to Galatasaray now and stuff like that. Uh, I-, I read those quotes, I guess he said them on air. I didn't see it myself. Uh, that's very, very interesting, very peculiar. Um, like, if I was Irfan, uh, Irfan Jan, like, it's... It's a weird transfer to try and force, I feel like. Not really realistic. Because Bishakshir is not going to let him go cheap just because he wants to go. Like, they didn't do that with Edin Vizca. They're not going to do it with Irfan Can, who is, who has a lot more value for them. Especially, I mean, scoring a hat-trick in the Champions League, surely there's some interest from abroad as well. Um, and yeah, like, just if you're going to try and force a transfer, try to force a, a realistic one, right? Like, it's not like... Bashakshir are suddenly going to ask half of what they're asking just because Irfan Jan wants to go. Um, despite the fact that he did help them to a title and stuff like that. Uh, um, sorry, that was my dog deciding to sneeze. So, yeah, interesting to see what's going to happen there. Guys like Enzo Crivelli were on the top of the world like this time last year and now I, recently I saw a rumor uh, Gusteppe might be interested in getting him like what's going on there like it just feels like a lot of players declined they let a lot of players go uh, obviously Arda was was a bit player for them last season uh, barely featured in the squad like he was let go that's not a big big surprise there but like Gil Clichy he was an important player um, replaced by Rafael Rafael hasn't been as good for sure um yeah and and they are of course trying to transition they had a really old squad last season they're trying to get some younger players in transition uh to a newer generation but it just hasn't worked out for them so far and uh it's going to be very interesting to see whether they can actually come back uh like again you know a lot a winning streak would help them a lot but uh yeah they've just had a terrible season and it doesn't look like it's going to be changing anytime soon. They just lost to Kayseri Spor, who are a legit relegation candidate right now. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Pashakshi are having a poor season. Not a great uh, impression left in the Champions League either. So, their confirmation season after their championship winning uh, season last year uh, definitely has been a bust so far. But I think I'll have to do it for us this week, guys. Thank you very much for joining me and thank you for listening as well. Um, yeah, appreciate you times uh, you guys making the time this afternoon to record and uh, to put out another episode of Football Alturka, and hopefully uh, we can uh, make it a little bit more frequent in the coming months. So thank you guys. Cheers. Thanks for having us. And thank you for listening to Football Alturka, and we will be back as soon as possible. Bye bye. <laughs>